Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. 2020, Ellen Nilsson, lots of focus on the presidential race, of course, but you cover Congress for Vox. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I think that... We had a different result than a lot of people expected in Senate and House races. The theories heading into the 2020 election was that if it was a big night for Biden, it would also be a big night for Democratic candidates in Senate and House races. But that did not trickle down to those Senate and House races. Well, let's start with the Senate. What were the expectations there specifically? I mean, we spoke to you about whether Democrats could flip the Senate, and it was certainly an expectation a lot of people had, right? Yeah. And I I mean, so we should say right now that the Senate result is still uncertain and it could be uncertain for another few months. That's because there are still races that are yet to be called in North Carolina, Georgia, and Alaska. Although we should note that Alaska is a pretty heavily Republican state. What we do know is that Democrats ultimately lost a lot of the states that they were hoping to flip, but they still have a very narrow potential path to a majority. Okay. And I think as we currently stand, we're at 48, 48, 48 Democratic senators, 48 Republican. When we talked to you earlier this election season about the Senate and whether the Democrats could flip it, it seemed like the best shots they had were in four states, which, if I recall correctly, you called the core four. What happened to the core four? So Democrats won. Colorado. Democrat John Hickenlooper, NBC News Now projects, has won the state of Colorado. And Arizona. Democrat Mark Kelly declared the winner. Kelly is a former NASA astronaut and has led by a sizable margin, actually, for months. A huge win there for Democrats. They were able to flip those two Republican seats. They did not do as well in Maine. I am the first person since Maine directly elected its senators to win a fifth term. And we still don't know the results in North Carolina. 
What happened in Maine? Susan Collins was looking like she was really in a precarious position. And I know they also have ranked choice voting there. Did that play an important role in the race? Ultimately, it didn't. There was a lot of speculation going into the race and election day that if Collins and her Democratic challenger, Sarah Gideon, didn't get 50% at least on election day, then it would trigger an instant runoff, ranked choice voting, and that could potentially benefit Gideon since the next highest third-party vote-getter was a progressive But ultimately, you know, Collins, I think, ran ahead of what all the public polling had been saying. The latest New York Times and Siena College poll has Democrat Sarah Gideon with a large lead over Collins. It finds Gideon holds 49 percent support among likely Maine voters compared to the longtime senators, 44 percent. Collins is is just, you know, she's a longtime senator. She's been in office, I think, for over 20 years. She has a really solid brand in the state. And yeah, she was able to, I think, you know, get well over 50% of the vote needed to avoid ranked choice voting, an instant runoff, and to beat Gideon pretty handily. And what about the final race of the core four, North Carolina? Yeah, so um, there's a lot we still don't know about North Carolina. It's a really close state, both for the presidential and for the the Senate results. Um, And basically, right now, you know, Republican incumbent Tom Tillis appears to be slightly ahead with Democratic challenger Cal Cunningham trailing. But there are still a lot of outstanding votes yet to be counted. And North Carolina has already said that we might not know the results for both the presidential and the Senate race until next week, potentially. Why is that? Why might we not know until next week? So in North Carolina, votes have to be postmarked by Election Day, but the state allows them, at least mail-in ballots, to come in until the 12th. So basically, they need to wait for all of those mail-in ballots to come in and then count them, and that should be done by next week. So if Tillis pulls through in North Carolina... What does that mean for control of the Senate? What will it look like? So if Tillis wins in North Carolina, that means that Democrats' path shrinks that much more, basically. But they still have a very narrow and, you know, I I will say they would be the underdogs in this scenario, I think. But they do have a narrow path that goes through Georgia. Georgia? What's up in Georgia? So there are two Georgia Senate races— One was a race between Democrat John Ossoff and Republican Senator David Perdue. The other one is a special election between Republican Senator Kelly Loeffler. There's no room in this country for racism, but this isn't what the Black Lives Matter political organization is about. They want to abolish the police completely within five years. And we can see what's happening across the country with this threat of defunding the police and Democrat Reverend Raphael Warnock. We're sick and tired, as Fannie Lou Hamer would say, we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Why black folks so tired? We are tired because we cannot get any rest. The special election result we already know is going to a runoff. That was a special election where there were like 20 candidates running. Georgia has this system known as a jungle primary where like all of the parties are on the ballot. It's not just Democrats versus Republicans. So we already know that Leffler and Warnock are going to a runoff that will be decided on January 5th. Then there's the Ossoff-Purdue race. Well, perhaps Senator Perdue would have been able to respond properly to the COVID-19 pandemic if you hadn't been fending off multiple federal investigations for insider trading. You did say COVID-19 was no deadlier than the flu. 
you did say there would be no significant uptick in cases. All the while, you were looking after your own assets, and you did vote four times to end protections for pre-existing conditions. That's just, you know, Democrat, Republican. The most insidious thing that Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden are trying to perpetrate, and Bernie and Elizabeth and Kamala, or what, Kamala, or Kamala, 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 I don't know, whatever. And then there's also a libertarian candidate that is receiving a small number of the ballots. But you might have been noticing something as we were giving you those Georgia results. Both uh, candidates are now below the 50 percent mark in Georgia. And there is a stipulation in the Peach State um, that if no federal candidate re receives 50 percent plus one vote on the election, the top two vote getters advance to a runoff. Of course, things could change, but it, it looks like the rest of the votes that are coming in are from predominantly Democratic areas. So it looks like, as of now, both Georgia Senate races are headed to a runoff, which will be decided on January 5th, 2021. And if the Democrats were to win both of those, that seems like a long shot. But what would that mean for the balance in the Senate? You're right, it is a long shot. But if Democrats won both of those, they would be at a 50-50 split, Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> but wow. we have to remember that if Joe Biden wins the presidency, the vice president becomes the Senate president. And so Vice President Kamala Harris would essentially be the tiebreaker vote in any, you know, 50-50 split in the Senate. So that would give Democrats the barest majority possible in the U.S. Senate. And what would that barest of leads mean for, like, the Democratic legislative agenda? I mean, it would certainly mean that they might have to kind of dial back their ambitions a little bit. You know, Democrats have had a, a really, like, they, they have their eyes on a lot of priorities that need to happen. I mean, I think number one is more COVID-19 relief. Number two is, you know, a jobs bill to kind of get the economy stimulated a little bit more and, and get more people back to work. But yeah, I mean, they're going to have to talk to Republicans more. They're probably going to have to be more bipartisan compromise than they may have initially wanted in the first place. And so, you know, ending the filibuster, packing the Supreme Court, all of these wildly ambitious, perhaps a little politically unorthodox ideas, not going to happen? I mean, we don't know for sure. It, it, it depends, um, you know, if they do have that tiebreaker vote and they do have 51 votes, then they do have a simple majority. And ending the filibuster is something that would happen with a simple majority. So it still is possible if they, you know, win both of these Georgia races or win the North Carolina Senate race. It, it is possible, but it is looking a little bit more unlikely than it did a few days ago. And the likeliest scenario here, we should just note, is that Republicans maintain control of the Senate. Yeah, I mean, if Republicans maintain their hold in Georgia and maintain their hold in North Carolina, then then yes, they will maintain control of the Senate. It should be noted that Republicans um, pretty easily flipped the Alabama Senate seat, which Democrat Senator Doug Jones was holding. But they weren't able to pick off Democratic Senator Gary Peters in Michigan. So yeah, it's just... Very close, but it is definitely possible that Mitch McConnell will remain Senate Majority Leader. Up next, the call is coming from inside the House. I'm Sean Ramos firm. It's Today Explained. Explained. 
Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. 2020, Ella, we just talked about the Senate. Let's talk about the House. Democrats held control of the House of Representatives? Yes. So far, it looks like Democrats are going to retain their control of the House of Representatives. But right now, it looks like their majority might actually be smaller than it used to be. Right, which I think comes as a bit of surprise when compared to expectations here. People were talking about a blue wave. What happened? So there were a few factors that sort of went into Republicans' good night in the House. Six Republican women have flipped seats from Democrats in places like South Carolina, South Florida, Minnesota, uh, places across the country. That's a big win. Republican women have been trying to win seats for years. They've largely failed. This time they succeeded. And you can remember that in 2018, Democratic women candidates overperformed men. And it was, you know, kind of known as the year of the woman. So 2020 sort of might be known, at least in the House, as the year of the Republican woman. Hmm. Um, The other thing, too, is that we saw in some of the early presidential returns that Joe Biden was looking a bit weaker than expected with Hispanic voters, especially in states like Florida and Texas. And that was true for Democrats down ballot as well. They actually lost a couple of House seats in Florida, kind of in the Miami area, two seats that they had gained in 2018. And we saw that Biden was also doing weaker than expected in Miami-Dade County. And then Democrats also, they didn't lose any incumbents in Texas, but they had 10 targeted districts to flip in Texas. And they didn't flip any of them, which is kind of stunning considering that, you know, that was sort of like Democrats' top target. They were pretty bullish on it. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee had opened an in-person field office in Austin, Texas. So they were really devoting a lot of resources and that just didn't pan out for them. What was the reason? Was it because Biden didn't appear as strong as Trump in a lot of these congressional races or was it something else? 
So I think it was a combination of maybe people underestimating the strength that Trump had with with down ballot voters and and the fact that he kind of acted a little bit as a turnout machine for House and Senate Republicans. And then also, yeah, this potential split ticket effect where people may have assumed that Biden was going to do better on the presidential level. And so they kind of wanted to have a little bit of a check on his power in the legislative branch. So all told, how many seats did the Democrats lose and win here? Right now, and of course these numbers could change, the Democrats lost a little under 10 seats. But they also flipped three, including two open house seats in North Carolina and then one seat in Georgia that was a Republican seat. Will that make a difference legislatively? It could uh But if Democrats still have 218 votes, you know, they can still pass party line votes out of the House. I I think that sort of the the biggest difference legislatively might sort of be the dynamics between the Democratic-led House and if the Senate remains in Republican hands, then the Republican-controlled Senate. Because then that would still be, you know, split control of government and Congress. It would mean that there would have to be bipartisan negotiating on bills. And, you know, McConnell made it very clear that he wasn't interested in taking up any of the Democratic bills that the House passed in 2019 and 2020. So there could sort of continue to be this sense of what I like to call legislative paralysis on Capitol Hill, where there's just not a lot of stuff getting done. Is this going to lead to any, you know, serious reflection in the Democratic Party where, you know, expectations were set so high and then ended up falling pretty short? There's already been some chatter about, you know, replacing the person who is head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, which is the campaign arm for House Democrats. And one of the names floating around is a Latino member of Congress. Um, and it's worth noting that a Latino member of Congress controlled the the DCCC in 2018 when they had such a good year. Obviously, you know, I, I think that there is definitely going to be some reflection on where they need to make up ground going into 2022, which is going to be, you know, another really pivotal midterm year. So, like, all told, the Democrats look like they maybe had a disappointing result in the Senate. But even our episode where we were talking about whether Democrats could flip the Senate, I mean, we were considering it as a somewhat unlikely scenario. So is this basically what people expected? Like, a Biden win a GOP majority in the Senate and a Democratic majority in the House. Was this the most discussed scenario, all all told? I mean, I think that it probably could have been discussed a little bit more. There was a lot of excitement around these Senate races because Democrats had expanded, I think, their number of paths. But it, it probably was worth repeating more that a lot of these races were just in very Republican states. I mean, you know, even Georgia is historically a really Republican state. A lot of the hype and a lot of money went to candidates like Amy McGrath in Kentucky and Jamie Harrison in South Carolina, who, you know, they may have been fundraising a lot. And you could argue that Harrison made that race more competitive for Democrats than had been in past years. But there are still fundamentally very Republican states with the very Republican electorates that like Donald Trump. And so I think that, you know, Amidst all of the hype, there probably could have been a bigger dash of reality as far as, you know, just the the electorate in, in a lot of these states. And there was so much hype for the Senate races in particular and so much money, like tens of millions, record-setting money dumped into those races. Could some of the fundraising have been better distributed to maybe 
help the Democrats in House races in Texas over, you know, trying to unseat Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, which was just extremely unlikely to begin with? Oh, yeah. I mean, both in House races and also, you know, state legislature races where Democrats also didn't have a good night. Um, And state legislatures very much matter when it comes to the House because state legislatures often are the ones that are going to be drawing new congressional districts in 2021 based off of the the census. So yeah, you know, money could have gone elsewhere rather than in South Carolina or Kentucky, and it probably would have gone further and maybe would have netted a different result for Democrats in in other places. That just makes me wonder, is this like a leadership issue? Is this bad strategy on the part of the Democrats? It could be. I think that there is definitely, you know, some conversations that that have to be had at the level of, you know, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi as far as what went wrong, what they might need to do next time. I mean, Democrats in the Senate in particular have been on a losing streak. You know, they've been out of power for the last six years. They could be out of power for at least two more years, if not longer. There definitely needs to be some conversations as to how they're missing, um, what what ways they need to do better. But also, I mean, it's just that the Senate is is tough all the time. More power is is concentrated in more Republican states, basically. I don't think, at least for Nancy Pelosi's part, that she's going to get a serious leadership challenge. Um, I don't know about Schumer, but we'll have to see. Ella Nilsson, she's covering all the election things along with the rest of the Vox newsroom over at Vox.com. More tomorrow on Today Explained. Today Explained. 